You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. I'm Christian Babcock, your host, and I'm joined by Jake underscore Gaylord, the big buck slayer. What's up, Jake? Not a lot, not a lot. Just been having some uh, technical difficulties with trail cameras. Isn't that fun? Don't you Dude. love when you spend your hard-earned money on the trail cameras and they don't work? So, I don't know if you have used Stealth Cam at all. I'm not. Well, we, I think we actually have one of our cameras that we run on public is an old Stealth Cam, and it works. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a Stealth Cam. And I've been having trouble with it all Your day. first cell cam. This is my first cell cam. So yeah, I could be, I mean, I could be, be just a little bit stupid when it comes to these, trying to set it up for the first time. But I tried to use two different email addresses and both of them said, okay, we're going to send you a confirmation email uh, to confirm this is the email you want to use for this camera. Well, for the first 20 minutes, I didn't get an email on either one of them because I tried, I tried both of them just because neither one of them were working. And sooner or later I had, I, I don't even know how I figured it out, but I, I guess I just kept doing it and doing it. And then finally one sent and then I connected. Well then on this, you have, you have to download two apps on the phone. One's a remote and then one's a, I guess just to handle all the business type in your card information and stuff to <laughs> set up your, your payment. Yeah. To take, yeah. <laughs> So don't, I don't you know. love being an IT guy when you just try well, to why? Him out? What's what's so hard about about I'm basically doing their job for them. It's just like, hey, thanks for the 200 bucks for buying the camera. And on top of that, hey, you you give us 20 bucks a month and then also you do our job for us. It's just like, no, I'm not usually doing that. when a cell cam connects to the network is when it can update. Like that's what my tactic cams usually do. So yours update automatically. Yeah, when they connect to the network. See, that's that's what it should be, not not the SD card guru. Now, granted, I got this maybe last year, year and a half ago, and I'm just now opening it. Yeah. But that's beside the point a little bit. Maybe the technology wasn't there two years ago or a year Apparently and a Apparently not. Apparently not. So if anyone wants a stealth cam brand new, I mean, it's it's opened but never used. Hit, uh, up. hit me up. There's my at on my Instagram. So we've used... We've used Tacticam, which we're I, me and Peyton are using on the lease right now. That's what We've, I'm about to get. Yeah, we have used uh, SpyPoint, which I used on the lease last year. We're absolute buns. And then you've used StealthCam. You haven't even got to get any of the pictures yet, so can't even yeah. really give a fair comparison. But you can't. You can't give a comparison. There's probably why there's no work. reviews on them because no one can even get them to work. Yeah. Well, don't just don't like everyone that's listening don't think we're just sitting here complaining if you're in our community we got to tell you guys how it is with the trail cams and gear that we're using at this point would not recommend spy point at all and if you stealth cams about to be there too if you've been to harvard and you have a master's degree you might be able to figure this out tell them about the data plan what was the most expensive data data plan plan? i don't know how your data plan set up i think you said like 10 bucks a month for unlimited $13 a month for unlimited per camera. And if you get like over two cameras, I think it's $12 per camera. Okay. So 
this, and this isn't going to be exact numbers, but it's very, very close because I'm not looking at the screen anymore. But it was like you can start from first off, there's no unlimited data That's, plan. That is silly. And then it starts off from like eight bucks a month to 60 bucks a month. And the eight bucks a month's like so many megabytes. And then the one I, the, the one that it wants you to do is 20 bucks a month for one, uh, 6,200 photos. Yeah. For one gigabyte a month or yeah, a month for 20 bucks. And then obviously there's like a $14 one. That's like 500 megabytes or something like that. But compared to the Tacticam, it's kind of a ripoff. But why would you, who can afford to pay $60? So you pay $200 for a camera. Who can afford to pay $60 for one camera a month? Not that better be sending you pictures <laughs> of God with a stone tablet yeah. holding it in front of your face telling you what to do. It better where tell to me. Hunt. It better be able to let me launch an arrow out as soon as the buck comes out. Just Kim Jong with like a red button and an it's arrow like, walks by the corner. You're like, fire. I got a bigger red button. My, my, mine's bigger. <laughs> yeah. So you, you were planning on having a nice day, making a YouTube video, making some TikTok videos, and yet you just spent well, five hours on stealth. That's kind of why. Service. Exactly. That's kind of why uh, I, I waited till today because this is the first rain we've got in Oklahoma in, I don't know, it seems God like a month. Knows when. Yeah. And it's been a hundred and some odd degrees. So I was like, well, kind of our plan is on our trail cam strategies, are, especially on private land, is wait until it rains, go a little bit before the rains or while it's raining, get that scent washed away. That's what I would, that, 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 that was the plan. That was the plan. And then and now uh, you're here inside just like a normal day. Yeah. Yeah. Stealth cam. Thank you. You'll be hearing well, from me soon. Well, besides ranting about Stealth Cam, we do have another topic for this episode, which is we're going to continue our Public Land 101 mini-series. Anyways, we're going to be starting a new series on the podcast. I think it was going to be seven or eight weeks, and we're going to call it Public Land Hunting 101. And kind of the goal with the series is we're going to take you from start to finish of what it takes to hunt white-tailed deer on public land a look into the other topics that we're going to discuss and these aren't necessarily in any order but we're going to also with hunting ethics we're going to talk about map scouting uh, finding a piece of land and understanding regulations boots on the ground scouting trail camera strategy and time for the hunt what to expect what to bring those sort of things so it's going to be a multi-week series and we're going to hopefully cover all you guys need to know start to finish on how to hunt whitetail on public land this is episode number 105 from the podcast. I believe it's episode six of the mini series. And sadly, this is our last episode. And we're talking about time for the hunt. This is when you arrive on public land, kind of what to expect, some some practical tips. Uh, we'll, we'll walk you through, walk you through those things today. Uh, but we've talked about previously in the last five or six weeks, we've talked about e-scouting, understanding regulations, public land hunting ethics. Um, boots on the ground scouting. And then last week we talked about our trail camera strategies that we use on public land. Did I miss anything or is that it? I think you got it. Okay. All right. So let's dive. And we're also going to do some TikTok uh, Q and a, we post a, for you guys that don't follow us on TikTok, we post a weekly video on there where we ask for questions for the podcast. So just to kind of get you guys interacting and involved in the show, I think it's more fun this way too. So 
let's move into time for the hunt. Now that we got that rant off our chest and we can feel like someone listened about the stealth cam mission. It was much needed because like literally I was working on this up until the point he was like, hey, join StreamYard. And then I was like, Ugh. imagine if you tried to complain to that to, to Abby about that. She'd be like, huh? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot better to complain on a podcast than to her for sure. Yeah, especially when it's hunting related. Yeah, that's right. So the first point that I had about time for the hunt is learn by doing. And we've talked about this, I think, extensively on the podcast. But the premise behind this point is that you're not going to be good or get good at public land hunting by not doing it. So you can read every book consume every podcast, which it's really easy to do these days, like listen to podcasts and think that you got something figured out and then you get out there and it doesn't work anyways. But I wouldn't expect to be any good at public land when you first start because it's extremely different than private. And I would not expect to learn anything until you spend extensive amount of time learning a piece of public. You agree with that, Jake? I agree. I agree. Like I, I mean, like you said, you can learn everything you want to do. Uh, Learn everything you want to learn, everything about anything, and if you don't do it, it's all for nothing. Also, it's like the funnest time. Like this is what we all are waiting for, right? We're waiting for hunting season. Like no one, I mean, people get excited to scout and shed hunt. I know a lot of people who get really excited to uh, shed hunt, but uh, me too. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, this is a time to look forward to. So, I mean, if you're not doing this portion of it, then why do the rest? Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think when it comes to like, we'd love to sit on the podcast and give you like, hey, you need to find tracks, you need to find funnels, you need to find benches, you got to find an edge, you got to find water. We'd love to sit and say those sort of things. But without knowing where you hunt, and there's so much diversity in the habitat of whitetail could live in one of our listeners could be in New York, the other could be in Georgia, the other could be in Texas. If we say a piece of knowledge about hunting in um, pine thickets or clear cuts, it's not going to be applicable to everyone that's listening to the show. Each edge is different. Each clear cut's different. That's, that, that's the great thing about hunting. Well, and on public, your pressure is going to be different too. Not only, I mean, that's the people true. that are hunting, everything's going to be different. So we're going to be talking about more big picture tips and tactics today, not so much getting down into the nitty gritty, because if you guys want to do that, send us a message. I'm sure we'll go 10, 15, 20 messages back and forth talking about your particular buck you're trying to kill or the place that you're hunting. We love to do that, but I don't think the podcast is the the uh, the place to do it. And what else do we want? Do we want to add anything else on learn by doing? I feel like that's how we've we've done it in our experience. Like I think we talked a little bit about it earlier, but we've mainly I'd, just learned from our mistakes. Yeah. And that is doing. <laughs> doing is what I mean by that is is mistakes. For the, for the most part, we didn't kill pub deer on public land for, I think it was my third or fourth year hunting public before I killed my first year. That's a doe too. Like every time I went, I was trying to kill a doe and it took me that many years just to shoot a doe. So at in the beginning, it kind of feels like it's an uphill climb and it's hard to get over that hump, you know, but it seems like we always say con killing is contagious. It's like once you get oh, that monkey is. off your back with that first one, it just seems like you can open up the floodgates sometimes too. That's why we try to go to camp with like a lot of people or not a lot of people. Like we have our group and then fortunately for us, there's other groups that, that we know that go to the same area, right? And so kind of like a sports term, 
you know, someone's got to take the lid off the basket and then the shots start falling. And that's it. It, it, it feels like if someone in that campground shoots one, it's just like, okay, get ready because about to have a lot more meat in this, in this little area. And it feels like when you, if you hunt public by yourself, that's fine. You're going to learn, but it seems like the more people you can get involved, the short you like, the more you can shorten that learning curve, right? Like if they talk and communicate, they could be a shot. Yeah. They could be a chotch and just be like, uh, yeah, we didn't see anything, even though they seen, you know, it doesn't matter what you seen. Even if you seen like little four point, let the group know, because it's like, if you're seeing movement and I'm not, I need to move. Like, I'm not trying to go hunt your area. I'm not trying to go hunt with you. I just need to know, Hey, are they moving or are they not? Is this spot good? And they're just not moving or do I need to go find somewhere else? That's always the best when you're like, Hey, did you see anything? People say no. And then you hear them like two campsites over like, yeah, I saw a six point three does a fawn. You're like, thought you didn't see anything, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. I love that one. Um, so yeah, learn, learn by doing. You're not going to learn unless you're out there. That's similar to what we were talking about with e-scouting versus boots on the ground. It's like specific real knowledge versus theoretical. Like you can, you can consume and learn everything, but you're only going to learn by making mistakes. And that I, another point I wanted to bring up was I was listening to Tyler and KC on the element podcast and they were talking about that early beginning stages of being a bow hunter and how you mess everything up in like the first 10 encounters that you have with deer, whether or not getting a shot off or making a bad shot or just spooking them. And he's like, yeah. that is a, that is a portion of the hunting that you cannot skip. You cannot skip it. Like, unless you're that's getting put point. into a blind and you're becoming just a trigger man with a gun, that's one thing. But on public land, you are not going to skip those mess ups. Those are going to happen. So I would be very prepared. I would prepare myself mentally I guess just mentally. Because do you have that, any stories like that? Well, <laughs> yeah, I because I know I do. <laughs> I've got plenty of those. Let's hear my one. Per, my first deer I ever shot on public land was in the mountains, and I never hunted anywhere but just like around Vanita. And mm -hmm. I get up in this tree, and a doe and a fawn. Hey, don't be out. name dropping down here. All right. Was there good deer hunting? You're gonna scare them all off. Yeah. <laughs> Forty acre chunks, baby. Yeah. Uh, so this doe and this fawn walk out in this clear cut and I shot bucks before, but this doe might as well have been like a 200 inch. Cause I was like public land baby. Yeah. And she walks out and she stops at 35 yards and I'm using that old Jennings and I pull back and I just get like the scope housing on her. And I'm like, pull kind of like every hand. single pin is like, looks like it's on her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just hammered that trigger. And it hit her in front of the neck, like, or in mm. front of the shoulder in the neck and probably went in like half the arrow length. I don't know, 10 or 12 inches. And she ran off and I was like, I might've got her. I might've got her. And <laughs> I just started, I started freaking out when I shot this doe and to everyone else, it was just a doe. To, but to me, I was like, dude, this is my best hunt I've ever had. Not only did I shoot a deer on public land, I shot it with my bow and everyone's going to come that's one thing about hunting public and being at camp is like when everybody comes and helps you, it's like an experience, you know, and it's kind of like, you're the man for oh, a little yeah. bit. And I was like 13 years old. So I'm like, I'm the man, you yeah. know, no one else has <laughs> shot some one chest hair sticking out your shirt. It's like, yeah, exactly. Three armpit <laughs> hairs. And 
so we went and looked for this doe, and we probably tracked her for half a mile and just never found her. I mean, the blood was decent. We never found her, and I was like, I was devastated. And I was like, this really sucks. So the next morning, I told my uncle to drop me off at the same spot because I was going to hunt the same tree. Well, he didn't wake up that morning, so I took his truck, and I drove back Unless down to the spot. I had a Red Bull within arm's length. Exactly. <laughs> no energy drink, no getting up. So I drove his truck back to on this place. Public How old were you? 13. Okay. So I took his truck back there and I felt so cool driving that truck when I was 13. I was like, let's go baby. And I was like, I'm going to get this deer. So I get down early and I start tracking this deer again. I wind up back on the end of the blood trail. And I think I ended up finding more blood on that hunt or down the trail. And what ended up happening was I was just like, you know what? Screw this. I'm grid searching. I'm going to find this deer. Okay. This, this wasn't on X times. Was this the same place or was this Richie? Richie's area? Richie's. Okay. Yeah. The big place. You gotcha. Yeah. So I'm looking for this deer and I grid search. And after probably half hour of grid searching, I look up and I am in a pine thicket of all pine thickets. (laughs) You look up and you can't, there is no sun coming through. There isn't like the whole earth floor or forest floor is pine needles. And you cannot see, when you get in that kind of scenario, you don't know left from right. You don't know north from south. And I was like, Especially no on X? No, no on X, no maps, no nothing. Like, this is just... You're 13, you probably didn't have a phone. I might not have even had a phone. But you know what I did have? I had a walkie-talkie. Oh, nice. So they gave us walkie-talkies. And I get back in there, and I was like, Hey, uh, I don't know where I am. I went to track my deer. No response. I was like, okay. I, I walked five more minutes. Hey, I, I, I'm i pretty sure I'm lost. I walked more, five more minutes. Over. <laughs> I walked five more minutes. Hey, I'm for sure lost. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I take off running because I'm scared. My uncle told me a story about walking 20 miles down there and just to get to a highway and find someone. And I start running. And as I'm running, I'm hitting my legs on like limbs and like falling over and my hands are hitting the ground and i'm like i'm getting really scared at the typical white guy in a horror movie yes exactly like a chainsaw (laughs) murderer is following me and eventually i stop after i fall and i get up and i'm pissed off at this point i'm like has anybody got a walkie-talkie and i and i just started yelling into the walkie-talkies and eventually i i had worked all the way every direction and i decided you know what that way south. I know campus south. I know there is a road to the south. I'm going to walk until I hit the road, and I will figure it out from there. I keep walking down this old abandoned road. Eventually, I see a fire, and I'm like, oh, wow. So so I think we need to clarify this. When you say old abandoned road, there are multiple, multiple roads running through this area. This wasn't even a road. This was a yeah, place this was, was, Yeah, yeah. No, not a real road. No further... Uh, a two track that had been driven on in the last decade. Yeah. And there was a lot of them. There's a lot of them down there. Yeah. Hundreds continue. And I walk up on this fire and I'm like, all right, at least these guys are going to have a phone. I walk up. It's, it's my camp. Justin's sitting around the campfire. Everybody's sitting around the campfire and they're like, Hey, and they like put their hand up in a wave. The first thing I said was any of y'all got a walkie talkie. And they were like, 
oh yeah, we didn't hear you. And this is like noon by this point. I had been lost since like 9 a.m. So I was gone for like over three hours and I'm 13 years old. First of all, my mom's probably never heard about this. She'd be pissed at my uncle if she heard this story. They were just chilling. You know, the first thing they said to me, they go, where's the truck? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where's the truck? I'm here, bro. I got lost. Y'all left was, me. How far was the truck, you think? Two, three miles. Really? It was a ways. So I say that long, drawn-out story to say, you're going to have some crappy experiences before you have some good ones. <laughs> yeah. And you might, you might end up going and shooting a giant your first hunt, but I would not expect it. And I would just, if you enjoy hunting, just, just enjoy being out there. That's, that's it. And, and don't get lost. Those would be my, that's, that's my rant for the day. That's awesome. That's what happens when I hunt and hunt a public land. I'm surprised I ever went back. I don't think you did to that spot. I didn't. I think that same hunt when we decided we got to find somewhere else to hunt. Yeah. Well, moving on to number two, which is practical tips. Like we said, we're not going to get too deep into the specifics, but some practical tips we would have for you guys is what would you say about sign, Jake? What what are you looking for when you're going in the woods on a new piece of public that you have not hang cameras on before? What does sign have to be for you to be like, I'm going to hunt right here? Uh, I guess it kind of like we uh, cl- clarified in the beginning, depends on where you're at. Like if you hunt where we normally hunt on public in Oklahoma, then sign like sign is not that abundant compared to like the sign we seen in Kansas when we were scouting this year. Uh, it looked like cattle trails on the Kansas ground and there you don't really see like tracks necessarily unless you're just by the creek bed, but most of the creek beds are like super, super rocky anyways. So you're just not going to get tracks. Don't expect that. So either rubs or scrapes and licking branches. And for the most part, the, the main thing that catches my eye is rubs. Fresh? And yeah, yeah. But yeah, I would say fresh rubs. And for sure, keep an eye on that. And that's where I would want to hunt. But the best tip I could give somebody is try to find sign that has it all. And what I mean by that is if you're just talking about rubs, you're wanting the rubs to be fresh and then a little bit at least close by or even in the same area, you want the, the rub to be a little bit old and then you want it to be super old. And what that will tell you is, okay, bucks are using this all throughout the season or all throughout the year because, okay, if that rub's a little bit older, that buck might have been in here when he was first starting to shed his velvet. <laughs> and then, of course, if you're hunting in November, like we do a lot of the times, uh, and you see a fresh rub, okay, that's, I don't want to call it a, a rut rub, because for it's the most pre, part... It's a pre-rut rub. Yeah, yeah. I can see that, I guess, if they're, if they're like, looking for does. But if it's, like, super in, the, super in the rut, it's just, like, they could be anywhere, right, if they're locked down. But, yeah, I, I would say... Keep an eye out for rubs, especially fresh rubs. And that's what you mainly want to be looking for is all that fresh sign. But don't overlook those areas that have those older, that older sign, that older set of rubs. That's a good point. The one that I had for this, this section was don't settle to for a spot that looks good to you, but the deer aren't using. I can't tell you how many times I have 
walked into an area and I'm like, this is where the year should be. Like it has everything. It looks, looks great. Yeah. Like I want to hunt here cause I can see a long ways and I fall in love with the spot and I hunt there and it sucks because I'm letting, I'm letting my perception of where a deer should be affect where I'm hunting versus where the deer actually are. Like deer leave sign, they leave clues. And if you're hunting in an incredible area, like an edge on, on a cornfield and it just looks incredible and you could see a buck walking down this edge and you just smacking him with an arrow. Well, that's great. But if there's, if there's no sign there and there's no indication the deer have been there and you're not running cameras in all likelihood, they're probably not. So I've ran into that several times where you just, you think that there should be deer and there's not like that area that Hunter and I hunted several times the first week of first weeks of October last year on public land in Oklahoma. Down in that, down in that little bottom. Yes. Where I hunted it like six times. All I saw was one coyote, but mm. I kept going back to that spot because I was like, man, it just, mm, it just has everything. It looks good. And it know, could, but how many more could. of those great looking places are there in that area? A lot. A dime a dozen. I'd say. Yeah. You have to fall in love with the spot where the deer are, not where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard that's a hard one for me because I'm like, you know, I've seen it. I've killed this deer in a spot like this before. This looks yeah. good. I want especially if the trail cameras are, are, are saying that too. You're just like, Ugh. it's like a double whammy. It is. So hunt where the deer are, not where you want them to be. And that's like a really stupidly simple technique. But if you're wasting two, three sits in a weekend or two, three sits in a week long sit, you're going to waste 25% of your time there hunting a spot where the deer aren't and And, I've done it. And yeah. And that's not saying that that spot isn't going to produce because it very well could, that could be where a 160 inch deer just loves to loves to frequent. Just not that time, not at that time. It's not that time of the rut or it's not that time of the season that it spends its time there. You know, you just gotta look for that spot they're in now. That's a good point because you can hunt a spot all early season and it can suck, but that can be a spot that turns on 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 October 30th or as the pre-rut really starts heating up. You know, it's a good travel corridor. It's next to a bedding area. Things are subject to change. And if you really got to have that most recent information, whether it's from you actually scouting with boots on the ground or trail cameras to kind of solidify where you're going to hunt because different spots can suck at some times and be lightning on other times. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's something you have to hunt year and year and year to be able to, to discern. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, it, it just takes having history with that area. Yeah. Or yeah. Or, or confidence to say I can go back and hunt a spot where I didn't see a deer for three weekends in a row. And I know it should be good for these reasons. And that's hard to do because I did that at the community center a lot. Like, you know how much confidence you have in a spot when you've hunted it six, you know, six times and you haven't seen a single deer and you can say, okay, the seventh time is going to be different. Yeah. And, and this is why that takes history. You're not going to learn that your first year out there. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Moving on point. Number three, this is the last point I want to make before we get into Q and a, I think this is the most important point that you can make. And that is when you're hunting public land, have fun. Mm. You know, say that one one more time for the people in the back. If you're hunting public land, have fun. That's right. Have fun. 
And how do we usually have fun during public land? We don't. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm dragging a deer out. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Okay, no, I think. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I was going to completely just, it's a little bit off topic, but you don't know you're having fun until you're home, showered, and in your own bed. Because most fun. of the time, yeah, because, most, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, just like Mark Kenyon says, it's type two fun. And this is what we say all the time on public land, especially like, like private land, it's different, especially for, I mean, you, you got to drive uh for your lease and so i could see how that could be aggravating especially if you go and which i don't think you'd get skunked on your lease but uh if you go there and and you just have more time invested on public i feel like unless you're just a lucky got a rabbit's foot up your butt or something like that but the more you have invested the more you you know you think about it and you're going to want to move around and you just want it to work you want it to happen because you got so much riding on it but Oh, where am I going with this? Have fun. Yeah. Uh, if you're hunting private, it's just like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it wasn't a bad walk-in. I got to sit in a comfy stand, you know. And then in public, it's just like, I'm going to walk 0.9 miles back into this treacherous area, and I might not even see a deer. And I got to lug all this stuff out. And the great thing is, is I'm going to lug it all in. And if I don't see anything, I got to lug it all back out. I got to lug, lug it all back out anyways at the end of the weekend or the end of the week whenever you – go home to hunt but but uh yeah you don't realize it's gonna suck until it doesn't and so that's what makes it fun if that makes sense yeah it's the type two fun it's not the kind of fun that you enjoy in the moment like even i've seen it even with us like you can you can shoot 160 inch deer on public land and still be complaining about it while you're dragging it out. And you're like, yeah. oh, dude, <laughs> yeah. I, like, we're like, God, this thing's so heavy. But when you sit down in your bed and Sunday after you've had a shower and you've got that deer processed and you're sitting down, you're like, that was fun. I'm ready for next year. Yeah. I'm ready for next weekend. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that. It's that kind of fun. It's work. Like, I, it's funny because I always come home and Lauren's like, oh, do you have a relaxing weekend? I'm like, I worked all week nothing to go about, work more yeah. <laughs> on the weekend and then it, nothing fun happened, but I, I still have fun. Like you can't take it so seriously where you're not having fun. So I feel like I even do that having hunters advantage as a business. Like it's like, Oh, I have to create content or I have to go hunt. No, I get to go hunt. I have fun. I like, sometimes I have to pinch myself and be like, no, I like this crap. This is fun. Yeah. This is what I yeah. like to do, you know? So you need to have fun. Yeah, like in our little rutcation where we spend a week down there, or uh, not down there, it's up there for you in Oklahoma. Uh, thinking about setting up the wall tent and all that stuff, when we were doing it every single weekend in October, it was like, this sucks. Like, we're getting down here late Friday night. We just get off work, drive however far it is, set up the wall tent, and it's hot or in November <clears throat> in November it's cold where, and, and it was raining the whole time and all of our firewood was wet and we were literally fighting on who got to sleep closest to the, uh, to the stove and the tent. And it was miserable. It was miserable. But right now I want nothing more than to be shivering in a sleeping bag in the wall tent. Absolutely. That's, that's the fun. You don't know you're having fun until 
you're having fun. Now, don't get me wrong, sitting around the campfire after a successful day or not, it doesn't even have to be successful, just after a good day, like, oh, I seen a doe. That's a good day. And you crack one of those bush apples and you're sitting around waiting on Justin to make some spaghetti. Uh, yeah, some some future diarrhea. Mm, ain't nothing better. It, there, there really isn't. And you got to keep that in perspective. Like I, I always try to keep it in perspective while the season is happening because it's really to get it's hard, it really easy to get bogged down into the season. Like I'm going hunting this weekend, and I'm going next weekend, and I'm gonna be tired, and I don't, I'm not gonna get to sleep, and I gotta be away, and X, Y, and Z, and then I have to put it into perspective in my mind. This is ending in so many weeks, and then I have to wait forty more to That's do this big. again. That's big. That's a big point right there that you just made. Like this is ending in this amount of time because i think about that a lot especially like if if it's the weekend in in november or whatever and i'm missing home or something like that and i'm just uncomfortable you know granted we can shower you know we can pour water bottles on ourselves or whatever like like give us that little bit of relief but it like kind of like you said it's work and then at the end of the day sometimes you're not going to want to shower and you're just going to want to go to sleep but it's just like no i need to eat because i'm starving and it's just like i don't want to eat cliff bars or nothing like that but Oh, where am I going with this? What were we just not talking about? I'm an idiot. Have fun. Yeah, just continue to have fun. I forgot my thought process. So doesn't matter. Deer hunting's fun. Deer hunting's awesome. If you guys, if you what guys don't aren't having say? fun, it's really bothering me. You're gonna think about it after the episode. The show goes on. Ah, uh, the show stops for no man. Damn it! I get on such a tangent, and I'm just like, oh, you're like, you're like, bring Squirrel. it back, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Well. Public land is fun and it's going to be frustrating in some areas. And if you have a couple of buddies, I think it'll be more fun. But even if you're out there doing it by yourself, it's, it's a, it's awesome that we have public land to go hunt. And if you, even though you're paying for it with your tax dollars, enjoy it, go out it's there like, and it's and like the fun. only tax, you know, where it's going. It's the only tax that you get something from, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, it's really ironic. You buy a license, you get to hunt a million acres. You're like, I like this trade. I, you know, it's, it's, it's great. This is working out for both of us. Yeah. So keep that in perspective when, when you're, uh, when it's sucking out there, but if you're not having fun, go home and, and find another hobby. It's my opinion. It is easy to get trapped in that mindset though. I think that's where I was going with it. That's of, exactly where I was going with it. Of the mindset of yes. Like of wanting you, out, you're wanting to go home. Uh, you're basically hating everything because there was there was a point that I was like wanting to flip my cot, just you know, like you lose a game of Monopoly and you you flip the table, and it's just like you get back, and by the time you get back, granted, I know there's gonna be some some a holes out there being like, oh, you should have been sitting all day, but it's just like okay, I walked almost a mile in, and then I like could I sit all day? Yes, but part of the fun is seeing at the end of the the morning hunt, especially did anyone else get something? Like, is that what we're about to do after we eat a quick bite is go to go drag someone else's deer out before the evening hunt? Like, that's what I get excited about. It's like, I might not have seen anything, but if Christian or Peyton shot one, it was a good morning. And it's eat. And so what I'm saying is if no one's shooting anything, no one's seeing anything and day after day, you're just getting your butt beat in. Just like, it's easy getting that mindset. I I think that's where I was going with that. So I had to clarify. That's a good point. You want to move on to Q and A? Let's do it. I think you got the first question. I already know. Okay, this is by Huntworks. 
uh, re- repeat offender. Yeah, this this might be my favorite question. Uh, when you have a gut bomb in the woods, how far are you going away from your tree? Personally, for me, it depends on urgency. How far away are you going? I wish I had Peyton on this on this episode <laughs> be, because we had a situation last season where um, we were hunting in the saddle. I was in the saddle. Peyton was in the stand, and this is. We had this situation with me and Peyton. It was when he shot his 11 point, his spike. He, we were sitting in the stand and it was like 8 30. And those saddles can kind of like hinge, like pinch in on your hips sometimes. And it's kind of like a pressure cooker mm-hmm. for you need to go to the bathroom. And I'm sitting in the saddle and I'm like, Peyton, I'm going to try my best to hold this one in, but it's going to be really hard. And I fought it like my whole stand sit was like fighting for like, five minutes at a time. And after about 20 minutes, I was like, dude, it's over. And he was like, <laughs> he looked at me, no judgment. I, I imagine how Jesus looks at sinners. And he was like, I understand. <laughs> and, and I crawled down. <laughs> I crawled. I down. can see that face right now. He was like, like, he's like, <laughs> he looks at me, he goes, I understand. And then he goes, when you got to go, dude, you just got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I walked 40 yards and it was out. Like it was quick, mm. and I got back in the stand. And I was like, "Dude, I'm so sorry." He's like, "It's okay." I was like, "You think we'll still see one?" He's like, "I hope so." Ten minutes later, that doe comes in and he shoots, or that little spike comes in and he shoots it, and we were like, "Let's go." So, man, it does depend on urgency. I'll say that hunt works. It really does. <laughs> okay, let's since we got a lot of questions, let's just each answer one, unless it's a really good one, not about gut bombs. Or Ped, this is this is a cool guy on TikTok. Ped Drogic, you know that guy? He makes the funny videos with the buck teeth. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, he said, question, why do you hunt? Why do I hunt? That's a tough one. It's it, it's not. It just depends on what everybody else wants to hear. What, why, why do, do I hunt? I, why do I personally hunt? I want to kill big deer. Why do you want to kill big deer? Because it's fun. Not harvest. I want to kill. I want to kill big deer. That's pretty I mean, simple. I mean, I'm just putting it simple because, like, I, I could say, oh, you know, I just, you know, I like being out conservation. In yeah, yeah, yay. <laughs> no, no. I like looking at wall mounts. That's it's selfish, but you like eating big deer. Yeah, that's a byproduct, though. Yep, yeah, that's the that's the oh deer jerky. That's mm. cool. Are you not the same way? Yes. I think it's, I think even for you, it's a little bit deeper than that. When you grow up, when you grow up in a place, I'll put it really shortly. When you grow up in a place where there's nothing else to do, but hunt, it starts to become part of who you are. Like, it's not just what you enjoy. It's like, it's what you look forward to like all year. And I don't, I, I do enjoy hunting. I do enjoy eating venison, but I feel more than anything, it's just part of how we were brought up. And I just, I just enjoy it. I feel like it's part of who yeah. we are. So that's a really simple way to put it. I wasn't trying to say that to be cocky or anything no, like that no. or, or, well, we or know be you like, Oh bucks, yeah, I'm so. the man. I, you know, I kill big, no, I'm not saying I kill big bucks at all. I can show you my first freaking deer. It's a spike. I don't, I don't care. Uh, but that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. I want to go out there and kill a once in a lifetime, buck and if anyone says otherwise that they don't want to do that like that's the, their ultimate goal in hunting then they're lying or they just don't want to 
come out and say it because they're scared of what other people might say. I love to shoot. I want to shoot big ones every year. Yeah, I, I'm saying that as humble as possible. I'm not like that's yeah. That's that's what I'm going to leave it at. That's fair. All right, yeah. Next question. Oh, so why do you never stare a deer in the eye? I'm the wrong person to ask this question because I'll stare them right in their eyes. <laughs> See, so I made a TikTok video about this, and uh, he might be referring to that. I think he is. Who yeah, was that, so, Michael Stefano? Yeah, yeah. So basically in this TikTok video, if you haven't checked out our TikTok, go check it out. It's Hunter's Advantage. Who would have guessed? Uh, but I basically was saying that when you encounter a deer and – of course, especially a doe, they're prone to pick you off. Even if you're not moving, you're not blinking, you're not breathing, they'll still look up at you, at least in my experiences. What do you do in that situation? Do you look them right in the eye and just like try not to move and just like, you know, just watch what they're doing, trying to react with their movements or whatever? Or are you the type to just close your eyes and pray? Or do you kind of like look away where you don't look them in the eyes? If it's a big buck, I'll I'll hit the 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 squints. The squints, right? But if the it's squint a doe, and you're wearing a a yeah, hat, you try to get and it. look at the tip of the bill. You're just like, <laughs> uh, uh. yeah. But if it's a doe, dude, especially on the lease, when I know a doe is trying to pick me off, if I'm prepared to shoot a doe, I'll be like this. <laughs> Blow! I dare you. Because <laughs> the second they give me a reason, I'm like, that was your problem. You made the choice. Yeah, but. I stare him in the eyes with a buck. I'm just like, I'm hoping it doesn't come to that. I'm just like, Ugh. but dude, I, I'll, I'll say this and people might not agree. I think it's easier to shoot a buck than it is a doe. I think bucks are less on like watch or on guard. Mm-hmm. I think it, you do not encounter them as much. So you do not have as, op- as many opportunities, but if you had a doe sitting there and a buck sitting there, which one's going to try to see you more? A doe, a, a doe. doe. Exactly. I think I think they're more prone. So they're also just, mothers. They have a yeah, maternal instinct. Exactly. So just to clarify, you have a six-year-old doe and a six-year-old buck. Which one's harder to kill? Mm. Six-year-old buck? I don't know. I don't. I don't age my does. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. So, like, let's say Probably you a have six-year-old doe, a mama doe, and you have a buck you're wanting to shoot. Probably a doe. You think a doe would be harder to shoot if they both come in? Yes. Yes. Or separate opportunities, it doesn't matter. I agree with you, but the reason I agree with you is because I think the reason does are more hard to shoot is because usually if a buck, unless it's just like like I feel like on a high fence or some crap like that, if a buck encounters a human hunter, chances are it's only going to encounter him once, maybe twice before it gets shot at. A doe, it's just like especially during the rut or whatever, not everybody wants to shoot does. And especially if it's during the rut, it's just like, oh, you see a doe, whatever. Well, those does, if you let them walk, you don't know where they walk. They could be wandering around eating your corn, and all of a sudden they try to circle or whatever for some reason. They catch a trail walking in, then they pick you off. They have more experiences with trying to pick you off. And so they kind of know what to look for, I feel like. And they have, they have that – they've been in the game longer than most of the bucks, I feel like. I feel like they have more opportunities to live. Yeah. And live through those experiences. Um, so that I think that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, Logan Gower 
24 says, what time should I put out a few mock scrapes? This one, I will tell you, Logan, this one is not in our wheelhouse. Negative. I am not a big mock scrape person. So from what I think, from what I think, don't take this as gospel. Gospel, yes. But actually, I know they use scrapes year round. Yes. I know this. And primarily so, at night. Yes. And I would feel like you could put them, the best time to do it would probably be in the spring because things are starting to green up and they're eating more. Or I don't want to say they're eating more. See, this is why you don't need to ask us. Ask us this stuff. But I think for me, I would do the spring. But like licking branches and stuff like that, if you're adding that little mess to it, uh, they don't use licking branches year round. They just usually do that during what, like the pre rut. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got to say about it. I don't have a ton to add on that one. I know a lot of people put them up before the season. I've seen people putting them up late summer right now, using mock scrapes, putting scent in, keeping them clean, freshening them out. I don't mess with them very much just because we have natural scrapes on our private pieces that deer are going to tend to. And on public land, that's not the way that I prefer to hunt them. I want I want to hunt them where they are. I don't want to have to do anything to try to bring them in. That's kind of the lure of hunting public land for me. So I'm not mm-hmm. really big into the whole mock scrape thing. What I could tell, or I guess what I can add on, is is it, if, you're, if you're going to put a scrape, the reason I would do it in the spring, it isn't just like like a, oh, I'm just telling you a season. No. The reason I do it in the spring, which I have no information on this. I have no anecdotal proof or anything. I would put it in the spring. I'd make one, scrape it up all nice and good, and see if they use it. And then I, I like I, I'd leave it, leave a camera there, whatever it may be. And then whenever you go hunt it, like in, in November or late October or whatever, uh, you could look at it and see if it's opened up and being used and if it's not being used then it either didn't work or there's no deer in the area that's a good point so that's all i gotta say i'm gonna quit talking about scrapes before i dig myself a hole that i yeah, can't they, get out of <laughs> yeah so next question we have how do you guys feel about the people that downgrade crossbow hunters i guess what, talk, they, did, talk, did, talk did, down upon did they give them a c instead of a b <laughs> yeah. no, i'm just i'm just i'm just messing with you seth seth, seth macaroni macaroni with two eyes okay how do you feel about people that downgrade crossbow hunters i think anyone that downgrades anyone is a tool bag so whether that's for using a crossbow or shooting a buck that they don't think's big enough or whatever unless you're a high fence hunter then i will downgrade you to your face and that is ridiculous use a crossbow in a high fence then just get the hell out of here (laughs) (laughs) you're getting double downgraded (laughs) no i'm just kidding i don't care if people use crossbows i usually draw the line at legal and ethical, and if you're doing those two things, I don't give a crap. And if you're a person downgrading someone for using something that's different than you, you suck and don't do that anymore. Yeah, but just that's don't call it. yourself an archery hunter if you use a crossbow. Ah, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Said what I said. Um, Carson asks tips on relocating bucks after the winter. Yeah. I can answer that really well and really fast. Okay. I usually relocate them before the winter to my freezer. Give them a real answer. Ooh. 
uh, tips on re- relocating bucks after the winter. So I would assume he's talking about like hunting in January or something like that. Christmas, early January. That's what it seems like. Man, I haven't had much luck. So it depends. Um, if he's trying to relocate them to hunt them, then I would, then my piece of advice would be to go to a place where the deer are being the least pressured because they're going to feel all that pressure through bow season, yeah. crossbow, muzzleloader, rifle, and they're going to go to the places where they can get away from people. And if you have those places or know where those places are, that's how you can relocate relocate them. Because obviously, if they're going to continue to use the same patterns that they always do, there would be none left because everyone would shoot them all. That, so. and I would say a very healthy food source. Because at that yeah. point, they're trying to recover from the rut, and it's bone cold, usually. And uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Less pressure and a good food source. Because that that place we hunted... In Oklahoma, what was it, January? Was it in January? Yeah, it was January like 14th or something like that. It was like really soon to the closing. Well, yeah, yeah, it was it, it was the last weekend you could hunt in Oklahoma, and we were in some good areas. We didn't see anything. Not a, not even driving Nothing. down the road. It was a full weekend, too, so it sucked. It did. Yeah, that's all we got for reclo- relocating bucks after winter. So, is it my turn? Yep. Okay. What state are you guys hunting? Who asked that? Uh, Joe Davis. All right, Joe Davis. We this year are hunting Oklahoma. We're going to hunt Kansas. And then I will maybe hunt Texas. And if depending on after after Kansas will be if we tag out and that could be a Missouri that could be in Arkansas. That could be in Nebraska. Kind of just depends how we're feeling. I feel like it'd be. I feel like it'd be Missouri, if anything. I would love to hunt Missouri. I think. I think the tags are cheaper. They're cheaper in Nebraska too, though, like two hundred. Yeah, but that's a that's a drive, man. So was Missouri. Not for me. Nebraska's only like two more hours north of where we're hunting in Kansas. Yeah, it's two more hours. Okay, you want to go two more hours to the west or the no. east? <laughs> All right, there we go. Well, okay. Yeah, so we'll hit we'll hit Oklahoma and Kansas for sure. Other than that, TBD. Um, Jordan nineteen ninety four five says favorite broadheads. Oh, it just says Jordan Owens on mine. Oh, maybe he changed his name. Ooh. Favorite broadheads? Uh, we talked would... about this well, before you get into this. Okay. We have a new YouTube video out all about broadheads. Hmm. I talked about my favorites, and I talked about a lot about... Have you watched it yet? No, not this okay. one. I watched the one you're, about the pigs. You're going to see in the video about your favorite broadheads. <laughs> we put that in the video, too. So go check that on YouTube. Okay. And also, uh, I mean, while you're there, you might as well sub. If you're going to go ahead and be there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... Should I just not even answer and make them go watch the YouTube video? No, you got to give them the answer. Okay. Uh, So what I shot last year and I really, really like are the Grim Reaper Whitetail Specials. I shot a doe in, I think it was like mid to late October. And it was a quarter to weigh, 45 yards. And I don't know how it didn't get a pass through which it was quartered away so it might have hit the opposite shoulder but when i looked it didn't it didn't look like it even touched the opposite shoulder but 
shot her, and she let out a big O and dropped. That's also, is that on the channel yet? Yeah, that one's on the channel. That one's on the channel? Okay. And then, oh shoot, what was it? It was like mid-November? Was it after the rotation? Yep, it was. Uh, same spot, same area, different spot. Uh, shot a nice eight point, and he was, I think he was about 30 yards. Nice double lung pass through, and didn't go 40. And tumbled over. So it's a Grim Reaper Whitetail Specials? That that was the only deer that I got a pass through on, and I've seen it fall. That says something right there. So for me, it's the, yeah, I'm shooting the Swacker 261s this year, and I'm also going to try the Thorn Broadheads. We're going to try some of those. No experience with those before this season, but they look pretty awesome. So we're going to give those a try and then we'll probably make a video about that and put it on YouTube as well. Test them out on some does. Mm-hmm. What you got next? So next we got Todd Perrin, Perrin, uh, explained to a know-it-all that not all five plus year old bucks have big heads, big mass, big racks, but a lot do, but not all. So basically That's... explain to a know-it-all that not all mature deer have those physical traits. Well, I would say that most mature deer have bigger bodies. That's one of the, one of the ways that you can determine if a deer is mature. Um, but the, the part where no, not all five-year-old deer have big racks, that's definitely true. A good example of that would be the deer that I shot last year. Um, I shot an eight point non-typical and he probably would score 80 inches, but he was a seven and a half year old buck. And I'm sure at one point he was probably a, a bigger deer than that, but it's just like a bell curve. You know, you have outliers like should most five year old deer. There's always going to be an exception. Yeah. Yes. Should for most five year old deer be over 130 inches? Well, depending on your area, you know, in Oklahoma, what I expect a five and a half year old deer to be 130 or better. Yes. Are there going to be some five and a half year old deer that are 110 inches? Yes. And I think where we go wrong a lot of time in the deer hunting community is using rack size to justify age. And a lot of people will see a really big three-year-old and say, wow, you know, that's a mature deer. He's got 140 inch rack. Not necessarily. There might be a five-year-old standing right next to him that scores 115 that is in fact two years older. So age does not always equate to score. I would say, generally speaking, deer get bigger horns with age, and five and a half year old bucks should be bigger than three and a half. But there's not always. When do you think is their peak for rack wise? I think science would tell you six and a half, mm-hmm. six and a half, and then the odds of them going up and down after six and a half is fifty fifty. So if you pass a deer at six and a half years older, you just can't get him killed. The odds of him getting bigger is about fifty percent chance, and the odds of him getting smaller. It's about 50% chance. And now you're not arguing with me. If you're arguing about that, you're arguing with research by the NDA, National Deer Association. Yeah. It's kind of like that uh, that kickstand buck. If you all want to go back on one of the old scouting videos that we did two years ago. We did one last year too, I believe. Yeah. Well, we had a picture of a buck that we got two years in a row uh, off public. Kind of the same area. But the first time we got a picture of him, he was great mass, great tine length. Just wicked main beams. And the next year, he was going downhill. And so we didn't, I mean, 
we later found out that a uh, some people that we hunt with also had pictures of this deer, and they've had them for two seasons. 2018. Yeah. Four years worth of pictures. Yep. And so he was going downhill, and then not too long ago, we found out from a listener that that deer was harvested, and he He shot it up. Yep. And so we got all those pictures of him, like the, like the, uh, the mount of it. And would you say he went down from the last time we got pictures of him? Or do you think he kind of stayed the same? So that deer, 2018, I'll just paint a picture for you guys. 2018, a deer we call kickstand, probably about 120 inch deer. Okay. 2019, a little bit bigger, you know, maybe, maybe 130. Uh, at six and a half years old in 2020, this deer would, I would see, would say would be over 150, like huge beams, baseball bat mass. This was his peak, um, probably in the 150. How many maybe points did he have? Nine. Eight. He's an eight, eight, I believe. We have all the pictures. 150 can, inch eight. Yeah. Yeah. Or a nine. I think he was a nine. We can put the pictures on Instagram yeah. for people that listen. You guys can see all the pictures we have this deer. Uh, but then. 2021 we get a, we're looking for this deer because we're thinking you know what this deer six he's six and a half years old this deer could be 170 this year so we put a lot of time and a lot of effort into scouting and trying to find this deer and we eventually did and we thought that he went significantly downhill but he had a very distinct heart-shaped rack the entire time that he was alive and we got pictures of him so when the guy harvested him this is literally about a week ago we got these pictures he scored the deer and I think he scored 115. He went from 150s to 115 in a single year. And we were happy to see that that deer got killed because yeah. that deer was going to die. I mean, he went so downhill in that one. I year. would really like to get a picture of his, uh, of his jawbone just to see we how have worn one. down. Oh, really? I have one. Yeah. The guy sent me one. Just to see how here. worn down those teeth are. Because yeah. if it, if anything that that guy did kickstand a favor, that was the best way for a deer like that to go out because he has such a legacy on that place, and so many different people. He said he was hunting there for like a decade, didn't he? Oh my god! Yeah, you see that jawbone? It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. So that deer, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. So to answer your question, yes, deer go downhill. And, but some five-and-a-half-year-old deer in the peak of their prime are going to be smaller. Also, uh, the older a deer gets doesn't also mean the larger his home range is. Explain. So, uh, apparently, there was a an, an idea going around that was brought up to us on TikTok that some, like an individual thought that the older a buck was, the bigger, more like more territory he took up. So the wider his home range would be. And that's not the case. The older a buck gets, the more content he is with his area. And A, he's less likely to leave that area, obviously, unless there's like people run hounds or something through there constantly or whatever. But science has proved from the deer association and uh oh who was it bronson strickland the uh, mississippi deer lab had did research that 
the older a buck gets, the smaller their home range actually becomes. Yeah. That's interesting. That makes sense to me. I lied. 116 and two eights is what that deer score. 116? Dang. As a as a eight, seven? Nine. Uh year old. Oh, as a seven year old. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. As a seven year old. So Damn. pretty cool story. Um all right, last last question here. Let me pull it back up. So okay. we got from it. Charles M. Emerald. Early season bow tips on public land. I'm from prior Oklahoma, by the way. He's an Oklahoma. He's not a, no not only in Oklahoma, he is very close. He's uh 20, 25 minutes down the road. So mm-hmm. hello neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Uh early season bow tips. What do you got? Mm. Don't hunt early season. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, I got one. I got Go one. Ahead. Early season bow tips. Bring a thermosel. That's a great, that's a great one. Because that's the quickest way for me personally to get a hunt ruined is having and then you go, you know, you're trying to be really, really quiet and not move a lot. And so you're sitting there just trying to like flicker your ear and all of a sudden and it just you sound on like you. one. You've had I'm telling you, I'm annoying, ain't I? Right. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, depending on where you're at. Like I feel like when we go down to Kansas, I feel like they eat the thermocell vapor for lunch, how big they were. But for the most part, where we hunt in Oklahoma, especially uh, early season, you will get some mosquitoes, but they weren't as bad. And the thermocell usually does the job. That's a good point. I think if I was going to give you any like one tip, it would be be careful with access in October because it's super hot, usually super hot. Uh, people usually get really anxious and eager to get in gosh dang tired uh to get into the stand and hunt and they usually throw access and good wind directions all that stuff to the wayside in order to get into the stand and i wouldn't ruin your best spots in the time of the year that you're least likely to shoot a big buck so i would say man if you don't have the right wind direction you don't have the right access i would rather stay at home than put my big buck in killing big buck in jeopardy by hunting it wrong especially if you already have one located especially if you already have one located because you know isn't that right like in early season they spend most of the times by their beds right they spend 95 percent of their time in the bed yeah i would you're been out in the summer it's hot it's hot i wouldn't be moving much either yeah i i just like i think there's a time to be risky and there's a time to play it safe and i don't think october one is the time to say all in yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, what do you mean, we just got here. Exactly. You got a lot of season left. Unless you have some other factor, like a neighbor trying to kill that deer and five feet from him or something, I, I'd play it safe, man. That would be my, uh, that'd be my advice. The only way I wouldn't is if you already got him on camera breaking daylight consecutively. Like when I say consecutively, I meant like over three or more times in a week and you have him daylighted. That's, and you have the right conditions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right wind. Yeah. Well, that's the last of the Q and A, and sadly, that's the last of our Public Land One Hundred and One mini series. Six episodes for you guys. I had fun doing this one. It brought us down memory lane to talk about a lot of the public land hunting and the stuff that we learned. And I hope we've been honest enough and share a lot of our mistakes with you guys because we 
continue to do them even as we get better and better at hunting public land. So yeah, thanks for sticking around throughout the series. If you guys have any other series ideas or things, topics that you want to hear, we've had people shoot us emails about what they want to hear. Had people send us messages on Facebook or Instagram, just send us one on any of those platforms and get a hold of us and we'll uh, take a look into doing it. But this has been fun. It's been great. Fantastic. Some would say awesome. Cool. Well, we will catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you in the next episode.